Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello friends, it's great to have you back on the Constructionist Podcast, and today we're going way back to our very origins as humans. We're going back to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at what God has for us as people. There seems to be around the world some confusion as to who we are as humans, who we are as people, who we are as, um, I guess, just the us who are living on the earth and 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 having dominion over it. I mean, you cannot deny the fact that if you travel around the world, people have taken over the planet. So there's huge cities in China, uh, you know, very well developed cities all across Europe and America. It doesn't matter. Uh, what continent you're on, even Antarctica, there are people there, there's cities there, we are taking advantage of the earth and the resources that are here on offer. But uh, there's a confusion taking place around the world. And I think it's valuable to get back to Genesis chapter 1 and look at what it says there about us as people. Let's just read it. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So this is the summary statement of God's creation of man and woman, and what his intentions were for the human race. Now, there's a more detailed detailed exposition of this creation in chapter 2 where he talks about how he put he had the Adam he had Adam walking around but he did not have Eve and so when he put Adam to sleep he from Adam made Eve and then he called them and then Adam called Eve a woman but here we have the condensed version of that story but it says in verse 26 God said let us make man in our image. Now, there is a worldview out there that would say that humans evolved over millions of years from lower species, single-celled organisms, up through fish, and then onto earth, uh, and then we somehow became, went from reptiles to primates, and then up to our current state. That is the diametric opposite of what the scripture says. I would encourage you to go back and have a listen to the podcast that we did quite a while ago, about a year ago, on Darwin. And I talk about how the ideas that Darwin suggested 
and his philosophy of evolution is actually diametrically opposed to the biblical uh, view of the biblical explanation of where humans have come from and where the earth has come from. I read Genesis 1 as straight-up history. I think the language supports that. There are those who would say that Genesis chapter 1 is Hebrew poetry, but if you go to the Psalms and read Hebrew poetry, it, that's not Genesis chapter 1. It's, it doesn't read like Hebrew poetry. Um, from, a, from a perspective of genre, it is, um, it's straight-up historical narrative. Uh, there's really no other way ar- around it. The way it talks about day one, day two, day three, the way it talks about morning and evening, uh, the way that it just continues to blend into this Cain and Abel and what was happening in this garden with the serpent, all that, the way it gives us an understanding of the landscape and the rivers and the animals, it just reads as straight up historical narrative. So with that background now, I'm looking at chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. So this is a plural here, let us make man in our image. It's sort of that idea of the plurality within the Godhead. So traditional uh, interpretation of this, if you include the whole of the scriptures, is that this is somehow a conversation taking place within the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, the Old Testament talks about God being a father. And uh, also, the Old Testament has, for instance, Psalm chapter 2, where it says, Kiss the Son, lest he be angry with you. So the Old Testament gives us a father-son paradigm by which to think about God himself. Uh, Now, Psalm 2, some may argue and say that that is in reference to David being uh, sort of adopted as God's son. Uh, There is an element to that as well, but it certainly uh, reads a bit like a reflection of here in Genesis 1, where it says, like, let us make man in our image. And in Psalm chapter two, it talks about um, it talks about man being angry. Let us break their chains. You know, humankind gets angry with God and tries to attack God and refers to God in a sort of plural way. So, uh, it so when I say when it says there, let's kiss the son lest he be angry with you. Uh, and the way the New Testament interprets the idea of son there in uh, Psalm chapter 2 is with the idea of Jesus uh, in mind. And so the Old Testament talks about God being father to Israel, God being uh, son in Psalm chapter 2 and having authority over the earth. And then also the Old Testament regularly refers to the spirit of God, even here in Genesis chapter 1. If you back up to verse Three, I think. Uh, nope, sorry. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And interestingly enough, the idea of Spirit throughout the Old Testament carries with it a femininity. Uh, the word ruach in Hebrew is actually a feminine noun. And so the, 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 in the Hebrew, the f- Spirit is, the idea there is female. Is what it is. So when God made man and woman in verse 27, he says, let us make 
man in our image after our likeness. And then in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. So the Old Testament allows for God to be both father-son, which are masculine ideas, but then ruach, spirit, is a feminine idea. And so that the, the, the totality of male-female uh, all lumped together, humanity in, in one essence uh, with male and female, is reflected from the Godhead. Because that's exactly what it says. God created man in his own image. May, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So let's think about God for a moment. Now remember, we're trying to create a kind of clarity as to what the human race should be. It says here in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 that God made uh, male and female. Now that is that is confirmed by genetics. So when you look at the genetic record of the human race, you have the male qualities of the genetics, chromosomes and all that, and you have the female qualities of genetics, chromosomes and all that. And then from that very essence at the beginning, uh, even in the very womb of the mother being formed, you have the, the division of male and female. And so when you identify with yourself, we have to accept that, oh, I have the male, I am the maleness image of God. And women are the femaleness image of God. So when we are children growing up, we, uh, we have these qualities of maleness and these qualities of femaleness. Now, society as a whole might work to confuse that. You know, there are, I have heard of people who are like, oh, we'll let our child decide what they are. Are you male or female? You know, the, the reality is that it's the genetics that dictate or determine the male and female. Now, God in and of himself... Uh, is a oneness, okay? So the Hebrew word, echad. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, repeated in the New Testament in a couple places. And so, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, echad. So there is a oneness there that can be ref- demonstrated through a plurality of personality. And I don't know any other way to explain that. So that's just the way it is. It's, it's hard to get our head around that. But God created man in his own image. So there is a oneness within, for instance, me as an individual male. There's a oneness of me. But I, there's a, I, am, ref, I am reflecting out, you should say. I, I express myself in a variety of ways, but within the character traits of maleness you know, I'll put it that way. Now, my wife, who is female, does the same thing. She expresses the, 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 the wholeness or the different parts of her express out in a feminine way, but under the umbrella of humanness. I'll put it that way. So when God made humans, he made them male and he made them female. And so we have those dominant traits, although you do have, you know, sort of butch women and you do have kind of touchy-feely men, you could have those kind of things, but it's still maleness 
and femaleness, although it could be on a kind of spectrum. But when God made male and female, if we look at the whole of Scripture, we need to bear in mind that there is a there, there are boundaries in place all the time. So a prime example, Ten Commandments, or prime example, hey, Adam and Eve, you can eat off of any tree in the garden except for that tree over there. If you eat off that tree, you've exceeded the boundaries that I have put in place. Oh, Adam, I have created you in my image in the maleness of my image. Oh, hey, Eve, I've created you in my image in the femaleness of my image. Oh, now, when the two of you come together as husband and wife, you now reflect the, as a couple, the echad, the oneness of my image. You see how these things all go together. God is a plurality of echad, of oneness. And so in his plurality, he can be father, son, and spirit. And those have the male and female uh, characteristics within them, but there's a oneness to it. And so that then is transferred to us as humans, me being male, my wife being female, but it's impossible in one sense for me to fully grasp the female femaleness of my wife because God has put that as a boundary within itself, all right? Now, I've been married to my wife for 22 years, uh, pushing 23, and so I understand her femaleness way better than I did 20-plus years ago, but there's probably aspects of her femaleness that I will never fully understand because I'm not female. I am male. And so God has reserved the femaleness of his likeness into my wife, and he's reserved the maleness of his likeness into me. We reflect God out. Now, there's a lot of characteristics within God. God is loving, and God is kind, and God is peaceful, and God uh, is uh, has a strength about him, and God it wants to cherish and care and have compassion for uh, the, his creation, all of these things uh, can, you, if you study the characteristics of God and what he is like, uh, we, we can see then better how we should be as people. Now, there's a problem because even though this is a beautiful picture of uh, humankind where we are made in the image of God, Adam and Eve were in that image of God exactly the way God wanted them to be. And part of all of that is the freedom of will to choose the, the road that, that you want to take. So we talked about this in our series on the anatomy of the will, anatomy of the soul, and we talked about the will. So because God has a free will, God even limits himself. He puts limitations on himself. God cannot be uh, a liar. It says that in the scriptures. God cannot lie. Now, I'll let you search the scriptures to find that verse, but God cannot lie. So there is, and God also hates certain things. I'll leave you to do your Bible study to find out what it is that God hates. There are some things that God considers an abomination. Sin. Now, God does not himself partake of those things. He puts limits on himself. For instance, God limits himself to being a God of truth. So God cannot lie. 
Now, the that means that there needs to be limits and boundaries put on us as individuals as well. We need to learn to be content with who God made us to be. Because in our contentment, we will find the most freedom. Now, I know that sounds a little strange, but when I lived in Africa, I was going through the Ten Commandments at a Bible study with, with African people there. And... The uh, and this was back when AIDS was a big deal uh, in the news in Africa, and George Bush was sending millions and millions and millions of dollars to Africa to try to uh, create and sort of AIDS relief programs and help people with antiretrovirals and things like that. So I was doing this Bible study, and I said, "Oh, it says here that you shall not commit adultery. You should not look at another person and lust after them. Uh, you need to be faithful." to God, and then when you're married, you can have sexual relationships with your spouse. And this girl says, says in this Bible says she says, you mean I can't sleep with my boyfriend? And I said, well, uh, this may sound like a negative, you shall not commit adultery, but do you want to get AIDS? Do you want to have a child when you're not married? Do you want to have these burdens uh, on you that if, you, know, you could potentially die? If and you know, and I, I'll tell you right now, another Bible study that I led in Africa, uh, South Africa, there was probably a regular uh, sort of. I mean, it depended on the week, but I had a regular six or so people that would come to that Bible study, um, and I have a photograph of about four of them. I think, yes, about four of them that came to that Bible study, and they're all dead now, and they were all my age at the time. You know, in their in their twenties. And that now they've all passed away. And so, and how here I am in my 40s. And so the reality is, very, is there that and when I said to this girl, do you want to get AIDS and die? I mean, that was a real thing. And she said, no. And I said, well, in that case, the, what looks like a unfair boundary put on your freedoms is actually giving you greater freedom. Because if you obey this rule, this boundary that God puts on you, do not, you know, go sleep around with whoever you want, your boyfriend today or a different boyfriend tomorrow, uh, then that actually will free you as a female to now go and pursue a career, to choose a man who will be faithful to you, to have children at the right time and be able to support those children, to maybe get a job down the road without the hindrance of uh, you know, a child you didn't expect or an illness that you didn't want that will eventually kill you and things like that. You see how that works? It's a freeing thing. <laughs> so when, when, when God says do not lie, it, it's a freeing thing to not have the guilt of that and the falseness of, of your life around you and all that kind of thing. So God puts boundaries on us as humans. Since I have been created male, there's, a, there's boundaries on me within my maleness, and I have great freedom in my maleness to be male as God has, and to reflect God as I need to be. But sin has come in. I was getting back to this bad news bit. Sin came in when Adam, when even Adam went beyond the boundary that God put before them. You can eat off any tree. I mean, I'm sitting here right now looking at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trees. So you imagine you're in the Garden of Eden, and there are hundreds of fruit trees there, hundreds of edible plants and God said, you can eat off these, except for that one. Now, as humans, we have this tendency to want to go straight to the very thing that we have, that the boundary is there to protect us from. We go straight to that thing. 
and we say, oh, I, you know, I got to push beyond this boundary. I want to see what happens if I push that boundary and break it. Well, God says the result is death. Now, Adam and Eve didn't drop dead, but they died spiritually, and that spiritual death eventually led to physical death, and now we're stuck with people dying all the time. The people in the Bible study that I led in South Africa 15 years ago are dead, and there's nothing I can do about it. They, you know, so they chose bad lifestyles, um, which is very sad. And here I was trying to give them words of life, and yet they, the culture and the, the where they were living and the, the peer pressure or whatever... Uh, got to them in the end. Sin breaks us as people. We are broken images of God. We're still an image of God to a degree, but we're a broken image of God. And because we're broken, we can't put ourselves back together. It's not within our power to do so. So here's the problem now across the entire world. When I think about all humans on the earth, billions of them, and they're all trying to identify They're all trying to have an identity, uh, and they may have it in their career. They may have it in their possessions. They may have it in their religious ideology. They may have it in their marriage. They may have it in the fact that they're raising their children. They may have it in their education. They may have it in their uh, whiteness or their blackness or their Asian-ness or whatever it happens to be. Though, When you have your identity in any of those things that I just mentioned or pick something else, you know, your sexual preference, your... Uh, height, your ability, your whatever. There's all sorts of things right now that the media is constantly pushing on us to, to have our identity in. If we choose any one of those things, it falls way short of what God would want from us. He created us in his image so that our identity can be in him. Our identity should be in Christ. And then Jesus came along to mend this brokenness that we as humans are in. So Jesus is coming along saying, yes, you're Chinese. Yes, yes, you're black. Yes, you are female. But your identity should be in me, and I will bring a wholeness to you. And so, dare I even say that you may be lesbian or homosexual, but God is saying, no, your identity is in me. I created you male. I created you female. That your identity should be uh, in Christ first and foremost, and that he will bring freedom to you as you reflect him in how God created you in your maleness or your femaleness. So what is being offered is, is a freedom, is a, a lightness, is a joy, is a peace in who God made you to be. That is what we're after. So we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and it says that God said, let there be light and there was light, and that was day one, and then God created on day two, and then God created on day three, and then when he got to day six, God said, let's make humans, and God made humans, male and female, and God said, they are in my image, this is really good, this is very good, and at that point, God was pleased with all that he created, but then sin came in, and then God said, oh, now I gotta fix this problem, And I have provided salvation in Jesus Christ. And yet people do not want to go that direction. They do not want to accept 
that if they live within these boundaries that I have given them, they may be boundaries, but there is great freedom in those boundaries. If you step out of the boundaries, it may seem like there's freedom, but there's not. There's actually, uh, it's actually guilt and shame and bondage of all sorts in sin. And so the devil tries to get us to step outside the boundary and says, there's freedom outside that boundary. But the reality is, is if you stay inside the boundary, God says, look at the freedom that I have given you inside this boundary. This is where the peace is. If you step outside, there's no peace. This is where the joy is. If you step outside, there's no joy. This is where the love is. If you step outside, there's no love. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. And let's read Genesis chapter 1 and say, oh, that's how God made everything. God made the whole world and put over the whole world all the physical laws that the universe operates by. He put within animals an instinct by which they operate by. He put within humans uh, a, a need for boundaries where we find the greatest freedom. Moral boundaries, uh, emotional boundaries, psychological boundaries, all the, these boundaries are there, and God put these laws in place for us to function by, and then in that we have great freedom and joy and peace and love, all because we are doing it in Christ. So I encourage you, build and strengthen your life up in Christ, and in Christ you will have the freedom and the joy and the peace and the love and everything that God is giving. But your goal always is Him. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to.